Hi, this is your host, Christian Hagen. Uh, wanted to give a quick note up top. This episode contains substantial spoilers for the game Gone Home. Uh, if you haven't played it or don't know anything about it and might be curious, uh, I highly recommend you give it a try. It's only a couple hours long. Uh, you should be able to get it cheaply. Uh, it's several years old, so it shouldn't cause too much trouble with older computers, and it's simple enough that my wife, who doesn't play video games, was able to complete it in one sitting. Uh, so if you, But if you have played it, uh, and know what happens in it, or genuinely don't care, by all means, enjoy this episode, and stay tuned till the end. Uh, I'll be announcing the movie we'll be watching for next week's full-length episode of Contextual Deviance. Also a warning, this episode is admittedly pretty schmaltzy and a little teenage angsty, so how about we just agree to let it be that and enjoy the show. I didn't have a teenage rebellion. That's not to say I wasn't a difficult teenager, I was moody and uncomfortable and loud and obnoxious. But while some of my friends were getting their ears gauged, or dyeing their hair bright colors, or starting hardcore punk bands, or smoking, or drinking, or sneaking out at night for wild parties at the local dam, I was captain of the drama club. I wore khakis every day because I couldn't stand jeans. I grew out my hair for a stretch, but it fanned out like Farrah Fawcett, and I cut it off so I could play an army general in the school musical. When I did start a band, it was me and one friend, and we played two shows wherein he played the acoustic guitar and I sang cheesy songs about dreamgirls and robots. I admired my more edgy friends, and I listened to the music that they listened to, which was primarily a range of emo and sad indie rock, but I never got that sense of rebellion, like true rebellion. That sense that the world was unfair and damn it, I wasn't going to be a part of it anymore, man. Until I played Gone Home. By the time Gone Home was released in 2013, I was a married college graduate living in Washington, D.C. I was working various temp jobs and trying to stay above water financially. I was trying to be a working professional in the nation's capital. My favorite band was the Decemberists, and I spent most of my free time watching TV and painting abstracts. For some reason, though, this one game spoke to something inside of me that I hadn't realized was there. Gone Home is a video game an early success story in a genre that has come to be derisively known as walking simulators. There's no action, no villains, no real conflicts. There aren't even any characters visually represented on screen, just a house and a mystery. The player takes the role of Katie, a college student in 1995 who returns home for the first time since her family has moved to a new house in rural Oregon. It's entirely in first person, and the gameplay consists of walking through the house, clicking on objects to examine them, and solving some basic puzzles like finding a key to the basement or opening a safe. As you walk through the unoccupied house, you begin to piece together the story of your family's whereabouts and, most importantly, the sudden disappearance of your sister Samantha. The story is told through notes, cassette tapes, pictures, and various items scattered around the rooms. Exploring the house fully and completing the story takes roughly two to three hours, and that's if you take your time. It's extremely short by modern video game standards, and its simplistic gameplay and minimal interaction distinguishes it from the vast majority of games on the market. And yet, upon its release, Gone Home was a critical sensation, receiving an 86 on Metacritic and even winning Polygon.com's Game of the Year award for 2013. 
Gone Home's winning feature, and the part that struck a chord with me personally was its story. Gradually, the story of the player's younger sister, Samantha, comes into focus. Shy and uncomfortable at a new school, she makes friends with Yolanda, who goes by Lonnie. Through Lonnie, Samantha discovers a love of video games, punk rock, grunge, and riot girl culture. They start a zine, get involved in a band, and slowly realize that they're in love. But life gets in the way. Samantha's parents discover the relationship and forbid them from seeing each other. Lonnie gets ready to ship off to the military, and as the player explores the house, there is a common threat looming over everything. Don't go in the attic. The fear of tragedy at the end of this story makes the final stretches heart-wrenching. Until you reach the attic, trembling, and find a note from Samantha. It seems that she and Lonnie, after a tearful phone call, decided to run away together and live their lives free of the world's interference, secure in the knowledge that no matter what happened along the way, they would not face their challenges alone. It's a life-affirming, beautiful story, full of naivety and joy, frustration and honesty, and as the final moments of Samantha's narration played out, I found myself moved to tears. I was overcome with a feeling of wistfulness, of chances not taken, of an identity long unexpressed. In the years since I played Gone Home, I've thought often about what exactly made that game the impetus of a new outlook in my life. Partly it was the music, partly it was the aesthetic, certainly it wasn't the first story I'd experienced that dealt with the youth in revolt motif, but it stuck with me more than anything else of its kind. And I think I've settled on two reasons for this. First is the medium. By now the cultural zeitgeist has slowly caught up to the idea that video games have a unique power to convey, through hands-on feedback, perspectives and realities which most of us would never be able to experience otherwise. For every arcade-style shooter and sports simulation, there are narrative-driven meditations on life and loss, love, and sacrifice. And increasingly, seemingly simple games can have deep insights into the human condition. Charming retro farming simulator Stardew Valley allows you to have meaningful relationships with several townspeople, even letting you marry and start a family. The free-to-play visual novel Doki Doki Literature Club presents itself as a mild dating sim, but hides a layered, dark core that slowly unravels as you play. The high-budget, futuristic shooter Titanfall 2 has all the trappings of Call of Duty with space mechs, but its campaign mode tells a surprisingly heartfelt story of the relationship between a soldier and his trusty robot suit. Gone Home uses the capabilities of its medium to present a story that the player uncovers themselves. This helps it stick much more firmly into the minds of those who play through it. Second, and I think this took me a lot longer to understand, is that the player isn't Samantha, the girl falling in love and making a brave choice, but Samantha's sister, someone who cares about her and wants to find out what happened to her. This perspective is key. For many people, myself included, who've lamented at one point or another the risks we didn't take, the bold choices we were too afraid to make, Discovering the story of this person, of whom the player feels protective and caring, and then seeing them do something so courageous and heartfelt is inspiring. It brought me back to those friends, awkward and gangly as we all were, who put themselves out there, and how much I envied them. I related so closely with the characters in this story, even though it's a story that is ostensibly very removed from my own life. 
I obviously was never a teenage girl in the mid-90s falling in love with another girl, but strange as it sounds, I realized after playing that game that I wanted to be. I wanted to have that spirit, that sense of exploration and rebellion and freedom. I wanted to live in a way that wasn't defined by other people's expectations, but rather by what felt right and true. I wanted that story to be my story, or something like it at least. And now I have a tattoo. <laughs> I've dyed my hair blue and purple a couple times. I wear long green army jackets in the fall with patches I sewed on myself, and I drew the sketchy, grungy logo for this podcast. I advocate for hard causes, and I let myself get angry when there's reason to feel it. I'm still a cisgendered white man in his late 20s, happily married with a dog and a full-time office job. I still visit with my parents and watch football and vote and try to eat healthy. But in my heart, I feel different now than I did before I played Gone Home. Craig Ferguson had a great story that I think summarizes how I feel. When he hosted the White House Correspondents' Dinner during the George W. Bush years, he went dressed in a suit and tie, acted professionally, shook the president's hand. But before he left for the event, he painted his toenails black. He said, and unfortunately I can't find the exact quote, so I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect of, No one could see it, but I knew it was there. I did not have a teenage rebellion, but I kind of do now. And maybe I can't show it all the time, but I know it's there. Thank you for listening and indulging me in this little narrative essay ostensibly about Gone Home, but really about my feelings, I guess. Um... Uh, true to my word, I'm here to announce what the next film is that we will be discussing for Contextual Deviance next week. Get hyped, ladies and gentlemen. Get your dancing shoes on, because we are talking about Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, the original 2014 Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Uh, hope you have a chance to see that somewhere, uh, if you haven't already, which I don't know how you managed to avoid it this far. But, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that one. Uh, the episode, we just recorded it actually last night, uh, you know, not to draw the curtain back too far, but it was a lot of fun. I have a feeling this one's going to be pretty great. Uh, so, I uh, hope you uh, are able to join us again next week. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to Contextual Deviance. If you'd like to reach out to us online, you can find us on Twitter at Contextual Deviance or email us at contextualdeviance at gmail.com. Special thanks to Minneapolis's own The Badman for the use of the song Gun Tonic off of their album Ain't Clean. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I've been your host, Christian Hagen. Have a nice day. Have a nice day!